Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We are so glad you've joined us today. If you have been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks for joining us this week, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. I'm going to ask Liliana to come as we go this morning to our, our scripture and text, and because uh, um, I believe God has a word for us this morning. How many are ready for his word this morning? Would you stand to your feet as Liliana just reads our, our text this morning out of Ezekiel chapter 37? of the Lord was upon me and he he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and he set me in the middle of the valley and it was full of bones he led me back and forth among them and and I saw great many bones on the floor of the valley bones that were very dry he asked me son of man can these bones live I said oh sovereign Lord you alone know Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. Let's pray. Father God, we are so thankful, Lord God, for the gift of life. We are so grateful that we woke up this morning and you breathed life into us, oh Father God. And Lord God, I just pray for those dry areas, Lord God, in our lives, Lord God, that are crippling us, that are causing confusion, oh Father God. I just pray that the breath of life, Lord God, would revive us, oh Father God. Lord God, that every dry area, Lord God, would be filled with your power, with your presence, oh Father God. That, Lord God, we would not question, but Lord God, we would trust in you, oh Father God. For Lord, you have a plan and you have a purpose for our lives, oh Father God. And those plans are not to harm us, Lord God are not to give us, Lord God, destruction, but Lord, they are to give us life and life to the fullest, oh Father God. So Lord God, I come against any negative thoughts, any negative, Lord God, um, thought in our minds, Lord God, that are causing us to question, Lord God, your power, oh Father God. And I just pray that the Spirit of God, Lord God, would overwhelm us right now, oh Father God. Lord God, like as we sung this morning, Lord God, the King of glory is among us, oh Father God. Lord God, we have received you in our hearts, Lord God, but and Lord God, we have proclaimed your goodness, oh Father, and you are the King of kings, and you live among us you are here right now lord god to do the work lord god that you want to do this morning lord god so open our hearts open our minds oh father god remove every distraction lord god so we can receive your word lord your word is anointed we don't have to pray for the anointing of your word it is anointed oh father god so lord god do that in our hearts this morning oh father god so we can walk out of here lord god renewed refreshed lord god by your presence oh father god thank you jesus amen amen can you give the lord a hand clap this morning thank you father Thank you, thank you, Lord. You may be seated. Thank you. I'm going to ask the team at the end to 
be ready, to be ready. And with that song, Spirit Break Out, because I feel we're going to have a, a, just a few moments at the end of the service just declaring, which is going to go with the message that I have for you this morning. But I like what Liliana read in the last phrase said, I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. Friends, I don't know about you, but I think the church is at a very critical point today. It's a, we're in a very, very important season that if the church is going to be all that God has called it to be, all that God has destined it to be, and all that uh, God has is, is called it to be an influence and a transformational agent here on, on the earth and in this nation and in this community and in this city, the church needs to be reawakened and it needs to be fully alive and fully empowered. And when I'm talking about the church, I'm not talking about these four walls. I'm talking about you as the church, that you are fully alive and fully empowered, fully alive and fully empowered. Can you say that with me? Fully alive and fully empowered. That is the purpose of the church, that we are fully alive and fully empowered. And this morning, I want to talk to you about reawakening dry bones, because whether you want to admit it or not this morning, we all have dry, some dry areas in our lives. And God wants to breathe his breath in this morning. And he wants to give us a, a freshness in life and vitality. And he wants to, us to come fully alive as his church. He doesn't want us to, to be religious. He wants us to be fully alive in the spirit of God and fully empowered. Amen. And that's what he wants to do. And we need to be that as the church. Because if we're not, someone else is going to do it. Someone else is going to influence our world like is happening every day all around us. And so here we find a very interesting story. And many of you might know this story. But here we, we see the major prophet Ezekiel receives a very interesting vision from God. And he's called a major prophet for a reason. Because there was a special anointing on Ezekiel to be able to, to translate and to explain visions and dreams. And so he receives this vision from God of this valley that is filled with dry bones. And, and God puts Ezekiel in the middle of this cemetery, in the middle of this valley where there had been a battle between two armies and, and, and there were many casualties in this battle between these two armies. In fact, there were so many casualties in this battle that... They, they didn't have the capacity to remove all of the, all of the casualties out of this valley. And so they were left there in the fields for, for, for the birds to come and the beast of the air to come and, 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 and ate off the flesh of these casualties. And the bones were bleached and scorched by the sun and became dry. And they, become, they became very dry and dead bones. And the vision of the Lord showed Ezekiel what this vision was all about was it was symbolic of the spiritual condition and captivity of the nation of Israel. It symbolized their spiritual captivity and how dry uh, spiritually they were. But God wanted to revive and bring his people back that were scattered back together and back to life. Israel desperately needed this spiritual reawakening. They needed the breath of God to bring them back to life. And, and I'll tell you, in many ways, this message has been birthed in my heart from my, from my mission experience in the nation of Italy. 
Because a lot of people ask me, well, why Italy? I mean, why do we have to do missions in Italy? Why do we have to invest in the continent of Italy? Why do we have to invest in, in, in Europe? Because Italy is the home of the most famous historical treasures such as the Colosseum and, and the leaving t power, uh, Tower of Pisa and the Roman Forum and the birthplace of Leonardo da Vinci and Michelangelo and Raphael and the immeasurable and the global, global impact and, in the arts industry and music and literature and, and, and often known for its architecture and fashion and great cuisine. I don't care what you have to say, but Italian food is the best food on the planet. My, you know, my son, my son, my oldest son, Jeremy, was not with us today. He's like, Dad, I, I don't know what I would do if I wasn't Italian. Well, I don't know. I think if you were Filipino, you'd probably think Filipino is the best food on the planet, right? Every nationality thinks they've got the best food on the planet. But we have a little bit of a bias. I think everybody likes Italian food. I mean, who doesn't? And so uh, they've, they're known for this. Once the seat of the Roman Empire and one of history's greatest superpowers today, Italy faces many social and economic challenges. 39% of young people are unemployed in the nation of Italy, leaving them with very little opportunity for a prosperous future. 30% of Italians live in poverty right now today. Yet this nation has a rich history of faith. The book of Romans was written in the church of Rome. And even in the church, uh, uh, you can see that, that there's, there's, there's been a, a lack of vitality. Deeply rooted in Catholicism, 82% of the population claims Christianity. Most are Roman Catholic, yet only 15% of Italian Catholics faithfully practice their faith with the majority seeing it only as part of their cultural identity and more than a personal belief. So religion is a cultural identity in this continent. A population of 62 million and only 1% only are evangelical Christians. Secularism, materialism, occultism, and Satanism are gaining influence across the nation. Rapid growth and the following of the Muslim religion in Rome being the, the home of the largest mosque in all of Europe. I bet you didn't know that. Many regions remain without strong evangelical gospel witness. Over 7,500 cities and towns have no evangelical church or gospel witness. And out of 105 people groups, only 24 remain unreached. And with the gospel, for most part, Italians are enslaved by identity wrapped in tradition and religion. Most of the evangelical church is fragmented with a history of splits and divisions and has become irrelevant to its culture. It's filled with a spirit of control and manipulation and dominance, which all has filtered down going back centuries to the Roman Empire. And millennials are leaving the church every day. And this is why we're doing this work through our Empower program. Italy is like this vast valley filled with dry bones, dry places, in deep spiritual captivity, desperately needing the power of God and bringing in a reawakening. Amen? That's why Italy. The fact is that it doesn't matter where you're working, friends. It doesn't matter where we are in the world. We're always going to find places that are dry and that need to be revived. There are right here in this city, all around you, in your neighborhood, in your communities. As we take a close look at our own nation in Canada, today it's in spiritual captivity, deeply needing a move of God's spirit and power to bring about reawakening, to bring about renewal and freedom and life back to our nation. In many ways, Canada is like this valley of, of dry bones. And God is telling Ezekiel, you're about to see this valley of dry bones come to life. Amen. Israel will come back to life. Toronto will come back to life. 
Canada will come back to life. They will come out of their spiritual captivity and live again. I don't know about you, but this morning, this is what I feel impressed in my heart, is that God is still wanting to bring things back to life. And there are things in your life today that he wants to bring them back to life. There are dreams and there are visions and there are callings that God wants to bring back to life in your life this morning. Come on, church, help me preach this message today. Verse 5 says, breath will enter you and you will come to life. You will come to life. Tell the person beside you, you will come to life. Don't be shy. Verse 14 says, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. We can only truly live spiritually when we have the Holy Spirit alive and at work in our lives, empowering us, right? The sign of life and the sign of renewal and the sign of revival is when dead things come alive, when things that seem to go beyond resuscitation suddenly receives a new wind and a new breath entering them, that's when we know revival is taking place. There is hope for our nation. There is hope for Europe. There is hope for Italy. There is hope for this city and the cities across our own Canada. And for every place that Western Road Pentecostal Church is connected to, there is hope because we have the Holy Spirit empowering us. The God of the resurrection wants to bring things back to life for you. There are things in your life today that God wants to bring back to life and reawaken. God wants to put his breath on you. He wants to breathe his spirit upon those dry places in your life and bring them back to life and restore them and renew them. The valley of dry bones this morning for you can represent areas that seem to have no life or no vitality or no hope and, and no potential. Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's your family situation. Maybe it's a relational friendship. Maybe it's a financial situation. Maybe it's a work situation or a health situation. I want you to know this morning that today God wants to breathe his spirit over those situations in your life and restore and revive and reawaken this morning. Oh, come on. You see, maybe it's a vision. Maybe those dry places or those dry bones in your life represent a vision or a dream or a calling you received long ago. But maybe due to life circumstances and hardships and maybe even personal failure in your life has caused that vision, has caused that dream and calling to go dormant in your life. I want you to know this morning that today God wants to breathe on you. He wants to reawaken that vision. He wants to reawaken that dream. He wants to reawaken that call that he once gave to you spiritual condition maybe it's a spiritual condition maybe it's a time in your life where you were fully committed to the cause of Christ and passionate and enthusiastic about your faith but somehow today you find yourself far from God maybe you've spiritually drifted or due to personal failure or weakness or, or maybe even sin that you've struggled with I want you to know this morning that God wants to breathe his spirit and he wants to breathe the spirit of forgiveness all over you and he wants you to come home today and he wants to reawaken that passion that you once had in your life and he wants to breathe his spirit of restoration and freedom in your life. The God of the resurrection wants to bring things back to life. And if we in turn can, can receive that, then we can be bringers of life. You can only be a bringer of life if you've got life. You can only be a bringer of freedom if you've got freedom. 
to the hope and bring hope in, into the world around you. God's dream for your life is not that you just become a believer and a church attender, but no, that God's dream for your life is that you come alive in his presence and bring life to every environment you step foot in. That's the church that's empowered, friends. That you would be used of God to remove the stone from the tombs over people's lives and neighborhoods and schools and cities and nations and see them brought back to life in Jesus' name. See, we first need those dry areas in our own lives to come to life so that we can go and be bringers of life. And so today, Ezekiel 37 represents your valley of dry bones. You see, our Christian journey is made up of mountaintops and valleys, high places and low places. And yesterday, you got to hear our story. And you got to hear our, our, our darkest valley story. You got to hear how we've had to walk through some of the lows of life and how God has been faithful and brought us through those moments and brought us through those times, places of uh, full of life and brought us to a place full of vitality and fruitfulness. And then there's the wilderness places and there's the dry seasons and the valley where you're facing your own set of dry bones. You are walking through the lows of lows in your life. And maybe you're here today and you're walking through some of your darkest season. What seems to be completely impossible. We even heard some of those situations today with, with Pastor Jonathan's sister. Where it seems completely impossible. Where it seems completely humanly hopeless. You don't even know when and if it will get better or even resolved. It is possible this morning that God sometimes allows us to be taken in the valley of a dark situation. Of a difficult situation. Or maybe even a dry marriage. Or a dry marriage ministry or a financial challenge or a broken relationship or, or an illness of anxiety and depression and terminal illness and we ask God are you with me in this valley in this dark hard valley painful dry scorched and desolate are you with me God Ezekiel was walking back and forth the Bible says through this valley of dry dead bones is he a God who walks with me when I walk through the valley of such bones? And you are walking through things that don't seem to be getting any better. And we ask, where are you, God? Have you ever asked that? Where are you, God, in the midst of your valley? Is my situation ever going to change? I want to say to you this morning, yes, it can. Yes, it can. And, 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 and I want you to take caution this morning because the reality is that a lot of times we tend to put up with and learn to live with the dry bones and the dry places in our lives. You grow accustomed to a dry marriage. Well, well, it's the way it is. We've been together for so long and, you know, passion has fizzled out and romance is gone. And yeah, it just is what it is. And what do you do? You become accustomed to a dry marriage. And you settle that this is just the way it is. Or you become accustomed to a dry spiritual life. Or you become accustomed to a dry ministry or even an addiction or barrenness. Or we haven't been able to have kids and it's just, you know, there's somebody here today that maybe you're, you're tempted to accept the fact that you'll never have children. 
You need to rebuke that in the name of Jesus and not settle for that lie. Not settle for that barrenness in your life. Not settle for that lack this morning in your life. You, so we, 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 we have this thing, you know. We settle. We conclude that it's been like this for such a long time. And things will never change for me. And we learn to live with the dry bones and the dry areas in our lives. Developing a coping, a coping mechanism to accommodate the bones in my life. Or even in our churches or in our ministry or in our city. And it's almost like it becomes natural to walk among dry places and dry bones. And it's like there's this peace in giving up. But the Holy Spirit says, can these bones live? Can you say that with me? Can these bones live? Why, Lord? Why would you try to wake me up in something that hasn't changed for so long in my life? I've just learned to live with it. I've just learned to cope with it. And there's a peace in giving up. And now you ask me, can these bones live? I don't know whether you can live or not. Or quite frankly, whether I want to try or not. I don't know if I want to fight or not. Only you know, God. Then God says, speak to your bones. Prophesy. Declare what I have commanded. Come on, somebody. Why would I talk to bones that can never talk back to me? Why would I talk or give to something that can't give back to me? Yet wasn't it Jesus who died the most humiliating death on a cross for hum a humanity of dry, spiritually dead bones in captivity, a humanity that could never have the ability to give back to him or ever repay him. I think if we want to be like Jesus, sometimes we will need to speak to that thing that can never give back. We need to prophesy and we need to declare to the bones that they may live. Those things that are dry in your life today will remain dry until you start speaking to it. That vision will never get accomplished until you start speaking what the word has called you to do. Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of his word because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who, lead, who believes. Every time you declare his word, every time you prophesy his word, every time you speak this word into existence under the authority that God has given to you, you are speaking life. You are breaking through. You are passing through another threshold in the name of Jesus. You need to declare it. You need to declare the word because God performs the word when we declare it. Come on. The Bible says his word shall never return void. This is why the devil will try to keep you silent and keep your lips shut all the time. Because he knows their power, there's power of life and death in your words. You can speak words of death and you can speak words of life and reap life. But we declare the word of God, which is life. Peter could only heal the lame man outside the synagogue when he spoke to him. And he said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. Come on. 
You know, I look at the story of Mark chapter 4, Jesus, there's this storm and the disciples are on this boat and the waves are, are gushing and hitting against this boat and, and the disciples were freaked out and they were afraid and they thought, oh man, we're going to die today, we're going we're gonna to drown, it's, it's the end and, 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 and they wake up Jesus, Jesus is peacefully sleeping and what did he do? He spoke to the storm, he got up and says, be quiet and be still and immediately the storm stopped and everything became calm. You see, friends, we want renewal. We want reawakening. We want to see things come to life. Then we need to be a people of declaration. Come on. We need to be a people of declaration. We, we, we not only become accustomed to the dry bones in our life, but we also easily tend to be describers of our hardships and valleys that we are walking through. You know what, church? This, write this down. You need to go beyond describing, and you need to start to declare. How, how many of you are, direct, are directionally challenged? You don't have a good sense of direction, right? You get lost with the GPS. Come on. That's me, especially when I'm driving around in Europe. Oh, my gosh. There's like 150 ways to get to one destination, and, and your, your 15, 20-minute trip becomes an hour and 20 minutes. It's amazing. And so I love having my wife with me because she's got great sense of direction. I mean, fantastic. So I love when she's there because she's like, oh, no, no, no. It's, it's okay, great. You know, recently we moved to a new home in, in Vancouver. And so uh, it's still not downloaded on, on Google Maps. And so I tell people, listen, don't follow the GPS because it's not going to take you to my house. And so I give them on text very specific directions. I say, look, you're going on Low Heat Highway East. All right, and then you're going to get to 240th, and you're going to hang a left at 240th. You're going to go to 102 Avenue, and you're going to make a right. You're going to go all the way up to the roundabout. At the roundabout, you're going to go left on Jackson Road. You follow Jackson Road, and you're going to go to 205 A Street, and you're going to hang a right. You're going to go all the way up the street till you can't go anywhere, and you're going to turn right on 248 Street. And then you're going to come down my street, and I'm the house on the right just before the cul-de-sac starts. Did you get that? Yes. Some of you are already lost. Some of you, you know exactly where I live, and now you're going to come knock on my door. And those of you that are watching by Internet, uh, so I, I give them these specific directions, and, and, uh, and so, you know, dinner's at 6 o'clock. It's 6.15. Your guests don't show up. Next thing you know, the phone rings. Hey, hi, Mark. What's happening, Marco? I don't know. I go, where are you? I'm not really sure. And I'm like, well, could you tell me where, where you're at? Well, you know, there's this playground on the left. And, and I'm like, okay, playground in the left. And there's this row of mailboxes. And, and I'm like, okay, we, we have mailboxes all over the place. So you might not even be in the same community. I don't know what community you're in. Uh, you know, most of them have a playground. Most of them have mailboxes. And, you know, I see this gray house. I'm like, wow, there's a lot of gray houses out there. Can you declare to me what street you're on and what cross street you're on so I can guide you to my house? Well, you know, and, and, and they're just describing what they see around them. And they're not declaring to me exactly where they are so that I can guide them to our house. You see, friends, why do I say that illustration? I say that illustration because many times we are very good at describing our situations. We're very good at describing and we go down a list 
Everything is wrong with what's wrong with me and what's wrong with the church and what's wrong with the pastor and what's wrong with how hard my life is. And pastor, if you would just know and we describe and we describe and we describe and, and what do we do? We create this environment of doom and gloom and, and hopelessness and defeat and failure. And we never declare what the word of God says about that situation. And God is saying, I want you as a church to go beyond just describing your situation. But I want you to speak to your situation and begin to declare the word of God and see that thing come to life and be turned around. Come on. And so he's telling you as a church, you need to go beyond describing. And you need to start declaring the next season of your, of your vision, the next season of where God wants you to go. You need to declare because whatever situation you're going through, my friend, sister, brother, young person, whatever situation you go to this morning, God has a promise for your situation. Find the promise and declare it in the name of Jesus. Speak to it. Don't just describe. I mean, there is a time where we need to describe. There's a time where we need to vent. And there's a time where, you know, we, we, we need to let our grief out. But we always need to go to the declaration of God's word and say, what does God say about this situation? What does God say about my dry marriage? What does God say about my wayward son or daughter that's a prodigal? What does he say about sickness and illness and terminal disease? What does he say about poverty? What does he say? And declare. So become a, a, someone, a person of declaration today. Another thing that we see in this scripture, and time is gone, oh man, is we see this unreasonable obedience that takes place from the prophet Ezekiel. I mean, can you imagine yourself, God putting you in the middle of a cemetery and say, prophesy the word that I'm giving you to this, to these, to this dead cemetery? Can you imagine? Would you ever do that? You would think, you're crazy. Why would I do that? So there was a, a, an a level of unreasonable, radical obedience from Ezekiel to actually take that risk and say, I'm going to do what the Lord has told me to do and see if anything happens. And he makes this profound confession. He says, oh, Lord, only you know. I don't know if anything will change, but I'm obedient enough that I prophesy as I was commanded. And when he prophesied and declared the word, something began to shift and there was a noise in that valley and the bones began to snap back together, friends. In order for us to experience reawakening in your life, you will have to obey before you necessarily understand. I don't know about you, but many times we have the tendency that we need to figure it out. We need to have it all figured out before we take the step of faith and obedience. We need to know every detail and every step. I don't know about you, but sometimes I fall into that. But I'm learning that before you necessarily understand and fully have all the answers you're searching for, God is wanting your step of faith and radical, unreasonable obedience. And I think that's what you've been doing as a church. But God is not going to lead you to another level, another step of unreasonable obedience as you become everything he's called you to be in this city. Unreasonable obedience means you don't always understand it. It doesn't always add up or really make sense. God has asked me to do something, and it seems a bit out there. But we obey before we fully understand. 
Let me say this. Your unreasonable obedience today will cause God to move in an uncommon way for your future. Oh, come on. It will. Something begins to shift in your situation. Today, you can begin to see signs of life. This is not time to give up. This is not time to settle and stay silent. It's not time to stay at peace with your dry bones. Your act of obedience will require faith. Stepping out in obedience can only come from a posture of faith and risk. And faith believes in advance what only makes sense in reverse. Sometimes you've got to just obey and let him explain to you later. And I don't know how many times, we, we are testimonies of this, right, Liliana? How many times God asks us to take a step and we're like, God, this does not make sense. And we didn't have all the answers. But when we took that step of faith and radical obedience, he began to show us. The, the widow's oil kept on being poured out. Why? Because... God says, give me that little bit of oil. He says, take that little bit of oil. Go and collect all the empty jars you can possibly can. What are you talking about? I'm going to fill my house with empty jars and all I have is this much oil? And it took unreasonable obedience from that mother and two boys. And you know what? Every jar that they brought into that house was filled with oil until there were no more jars left. That didn't make sense. What about the walls of Jericho? Hey, man, get your horns and toot your way around the walls of Jericho. Doo, 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 seven times. How crazy is that? Are you serious? These thick walls are actually going to fall by tooting my horn and walking around the walls? That's unreasonable obedience. And those walls came down. We talked about the walls coming down this morning. We, we, we sung about it. Feeding the 5,000 with, with a few fish and a couple loaves of bread. How the heck are we going to feed a multitude? And 5,000 did not include the wives and the kids. So there was probably 15,000 there. And Jesus said, take the few fish and the loaves of bread and begin to feed the people. And he multiplied it. And thousands of people were fed. Unreasonable obedience. What can be done? Just telling the disciples to to launch in the deep again after they fished all night. And Jesus says, get back in the boat and go into the deep. And they had more fish that they had capacity to carry. Unreasonable obedience. I'm asking you this morning, what unreasonable obedience is God asking of you? And what's holding you back? What's holding you back? Because there's nothing that should be holding you back. Personalize it. What is he's asking you to do? That seems unreasonable today. What kind of level of generosity is he, is he asking you to tap into? Who is he asking you to go? Where is he asking you to go? What is he asking you to do? What unreasonable obedience is he asking you for today? I'd like the, uh, some of the team to come back as I bring this to a close this morning. There's another thing that we see here that's very important. In Ezekiel 37, we read that the bones came together, but they didn't come up and move until breath entered them. The wind of God's Spirit entered them. What does wind represent this morning? It represents the Holy Spirit. In verse 14, he says, I will put my spirit in you, and you will live. I'm at, let me ask you something. Are you just surviving, or are you living? Because we've got too many people in church today that are just surviving. They're not living. 
we need to go beyond just surviving, but we need to be believers who are living, living out your purpose, living out your calling, living out your destiny. And then he says, I will settle you in your own land. I will settle you in the GTA. I still believe if the church is going to be all that God's meant it to be and thrive, it's because of God's spirit. I, I, I like how we modernize our churches. I think it's important to create this ambiance and environment and be relevant to our culture around us. But never do that at the price of leaving out the Holy Spirit. If we could just find the perfect balance, we would see amazing things happen. We, we wouldn't be able to have, we wouldn't have the capacity to keep people in. We need to be empowered by the Spirit. We still need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You cannot give what you don't have. I'll never forget in one of my trips in Eastern Europe, we were traveling all day long, visiting church planters from town to town. And, and we got to Bratislava one night to, to have our late dinner. And we sat, we sat at this restaurant with my colleagues. And, and so I, I get the menu out and the, the waiter comes and I say, you know, I want, I want this. And he's like, oh, yeah, we don't have that. Okay. And then I said, okay, how about this? He's like, yeah, we don't have that either. So I'm like, okay, third time. How about that? He's like, sorry, we don't, we don't have that. So I finally said, well, give me something you have. You see, friends, you can't give what you don't have. As a church, we can't give what we don't have. And we, we, we look at, we look at the, the disciples who were with Jesus for three years doing ministry with Jesus. Remember that? They saw the miracles. They, they heard the messages. They, they were mentored. They were discipled by the best for three years every day. They were in person with Jesus. They saw every possible miracle take place with their own eyes. These men were the most qualified of the time. They heard all of Jesus' teachings and sermons and stories. They didn't just know scripture. They wrote scripture. And they were alive. If they were alive today, they would probably get some of the honorary degrees from some of the best semin seminaries around. And yet Jesus tells these disciples... There is something you still don't have, and until you receive it, you won't be ready for what I'm calling you to. And he says, go to Jerusalem and wait in the upper room for the promise of the Father. Wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit, because Jesus understood the principle that I cannot give what I don't have. And what did the disciples have before the Holy Spirit came upon them? They had great sermons. They had great stories. They had great experiences to share. They could have gone out and given all those things. But Jesus knew that it wasn't going to be transformative. It wasn't going to, that he knew that good sermons and good stories and good illustrations and great buildings and great organizations wouldn't transform the world he says you need the power of the holy spirit and that was true for them and it is true for us today amen without the holy spirit we have nothing transforming to give you see friends the reality is that we are talented but we're we're not that talented we're creative but we're not that creative we're good but we're not that good it's only by the Spirit of God that we can fulfill and thrive and do what He's called us to do and accomplish the vision that He has given to you and to this house.
Come on, why don't you stand to your feet this morning? Just stay in this environment, in this atmosphere of the presence of God. There's something that God wants to impart to you as a church today. I just ask you, if you don't need to move, don't move. Stay in the auditorium unless you really, really have to go. But I feel God is about to impart something. If you can accomplish division through your own human ability and resources and talent without being the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, then it's probably just your vision and not God's vision. Are you hearing me? Come on, are you thankful for the Holy Spirit this morning? Ezekiel shows us that we do what we do and declare the word boldly, but then the Spirit does what only the Spirit can do. Only the Spirit can do. And when we do what we can do together as the body of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit does what it does, this is what happened. Wind comes into those dry areas and resuscitation starts taking place and life begins to start to take place and lives are transformed and things come to life and dreams come alive. Come on. We need the Spirit's power. And then the Bible says, that the bones came together bone to bone. That speaks of unity. And this morning, the church needs to be unified more than it ever has, friends. Because the devil is doing everything in his power to divide and to, and to bring division. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and I was prophesying a noise and a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone, unity. Friends, when the church is unified, it becomes a force that is unstoppable. Right? God connects his people for purpose. And while we're waiting for Jesus to come down, Jesus is waiting for his church to stand up in unity. Unity does not mean sameness. It doesn't mean we all think alike. We all have different perspective. We can all have, you know, we all come from different cultures and different backgrounds and classes. But we're one in purpose and one in goal and one in vision and the glory of God. And it's the advancement of his kingdom. Unity opens the windows of heaven. And so Western Road, I'm encouraging you and I challenge you to keep working together, keep building together keep being generous together sacrifice together pray together worship together be obedient together serve together laugh together cry together do the work that God has called you trust God together carry the vision together love the city together and celebrate together and when you do that the church becomes unstoppable thank you so much for listening to the sermon of the week God wants to work in your life and we want to hear it Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westonroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.